Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's Alex Ward and Sammy Shah. Hello. Hello. Hello, how are you both? I'm personally very good. I, as you know, you know, I've told you, um, I'm not really doing anything at the moment because of lockdown. Everything was cancelled for me, so I'm just hanging out. You're, chill. You're living your best life is what exactly. I'm hearing. Exactly. I am. I um, So I was meant to be on tour, but instead I'm just at home watching, I should say reading, but I'm watching a lot of <laughs> cop shows, British cop shows. Like so you, non-fiction ones? In terms of like like documentary types? Of no, no, no. Copper shows. Like, oh. like you know, pretend. Make believe. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. And I don't understand a word they're saying. Like, I don't understand any of the lingo. Yeah. So. Do you put subtitles on? I have, but only because I'm eating chips. <laughs> no, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I love how when you watch something, you're like, that man is too Scottish for my ears. <laughs> subtitles on. <laughs> No, uh, well, yes, there is another show I've been watching called Guilt, and it's set in Scotland, and I do put on the subtitles for that. <laughs> and sometimes it still doesn't help Yeah, with the lingo. Like, that word does not translate. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, we have been uh, in lockdown in Melbourne the last couple of weeks, uh, and we're still sort of in a lockdown. We're in a semi-quasi-lockdown state yeah. now. We're, we're, we're allowed to be in here right now. But for some reason, we can't work out together. <laughs> like, if, if one of us started doing push-ups, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Push-ups come in. <laughs> yeah. Break your legs. So, yeah, it's very strictly monitored, you know, unhealthy I've lifestyle. been holding in my core this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, cheating. That's oh, right. No. I like it. <laughs> you rebel. <Yeah. laughs> so, it's a book show. Uh, have you, either of you been doing any reading during the lockdown? Um, audiobook. Which qualify? I feel like it qualifies. It's very contentious. Some long, people will be like, "No, nah, you need to look at the page <laughs> with the words on it." But yeah, I mean it. that does describe reading. I know. It, it, yes, the literal act of reading requires <laughs> You've reading. Been doing a lot of listening. I have been doing a lot of listening. I've been, I like to call it listen, reading of the ears, and so <laughs> I am, I'm ear reading these days. Uh, it's uh, uh, Ministry of the Future by Kim Stanley Robinson, uh, science fiction novel, climate change, that kind of stuff. Uh, very, very good. Very good book. Um, if you really want to be depressed about how the future is going to pan out for us as a species, <laughs> definitely get that in your ears. <laughs> and any spoilers on what's going to happen to us? Oh, oh, we're basically all going to die. So we I should think. work out right now. <laughs> yeah, I look good to <laughs> leave, <laughs> leave a, leave a yeah, great-looking yeah, yeah, yeah. corpse when the sun <laughs> radiates you, basically. <laughs> yeah. Always been the plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Alex, have you been re- reading in between any um, of your, your cop shows? Have you been reading subtitles on Scottish people? Of exactly. Course, That's reading of the eyes. <laughs> that one, um, no, I um, I have. I'm. I'm. I will confess. I'm a terrible reader. I've actually gotten so much worse as I get older. Just think there's too much other exciting content. Honestly, um, the reason I started the show as a as a teen. 
or even in primary school, I read so much. Then there was a many-year drop-off, and this show forces me that's to good. read. That's yeah. good. I need yeah. to do this, except not steal your podcast <laughs> idea. I just do the exact same podcast. All he did was basically he got people to fund his reading, which <laughs> yeah, is the Patreon right. set up, and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm just very slow, but I have been reading a book, and it's an Australian author. And what was funny about the book, and I, it's called – I can't even remember what it's called right now. It's about, like – fires right it's about people who light fires what are they called arsonists pyromania it's, called, Pyromania, it's yeah. just called arsonists <laughs> i was like it can't be no it is that um, so but what is bad about this right this is what is embarrassing is i thought that this was a fictional fiction book mm-hmm. i thought this was, i'm over halfway through and i just realized that it's non-fiction <laughs> These people are real. it's just written it's all real and of course Did they it reference is someone you black, know about the blacks is it black saturday fire yeah, yeah. Sure. it is what it's about but i grew up in Queensland and I, it, that all happened down here and I mm. thought I thought this was like a fiction sort of and I was like well I've sort of heard of those fires and there was even a map of Melbourne at the start <laughs> of the book but I thought it was one of those ones where it's like inspired by yeah they try and make it look yeah, yeah, real like, so so I was living here during this time but I actually wasn't but the way it's written is so fiction like like it's so that it took me until halfway to realise that it is absolutely about real these people exist I googled the, like I googled one of the characters I was like oh this is a real person someone has written about so that's that's embarrassing like that wasn't even for me that was embarrassing (laughs) so wait so uh, because the Black Saturday fires I thought Mm. most of it it was naturally started there was arsonists involved well it's leading to it hasn't finished yet but yeah but um, it looks like someone lit it started the fire they haven't right. got him yet. Spoiler. They haven't got right. It's a, very much like a, <laughs> yeah. in, another cop show, really. Yeah. It's <laughs> an investigation. Like, you just love that stuff. I love it. <laughs> Turns out you accidentally love true crime. <laughs> oh, I do. I do spend most of my time listening to true crime. Who doesn't at this point? Like, true crime has saved us as, as, a, as a generation <laughs> yeah. in the last, like, 10 years, basically. Yeah, all those poor people had to die to save us, but... Mm. Thank you. Sure, they'd be happy to know that they're horrible stories. Yeah, well, they're dying. At least I'll be on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That is genuinely, at this point, the only way you can hope for some justice. (laughs) If you die, it's like, well, maybe they'll do a true crime podcast (laughs) about and find the killers because the cops ain't doing shit. (laughs) Then people like me are listening going, this isn't real, this is fictional. (laughs) (laughs) There's a map of a fictional city called Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been doing a bit of reading myself, as uh, have you? I have to do for the show. That's right, Alex. Seriously, it works. This thing, it works. Do you ever get tempted while doing, you know, for the show, just watch the movie instead <laughs> of the novel, the movie or the book, and yeah, then you pretend cheated? like you read it, read it? Well, you tell me if I cheated. Last week, I did uh, because Eric Carl, the uh, children's picture book author, died, and I did. The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Mm. <laughs> the movie trivia. was amazing, yeah. I thought. I, you know, movie Daniel Day-Lewis did a great the job. The CGI the on that piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it ended up, I had um, uh, Zach Rowan and Miss Whitrip on, and I thought this would be a mini one, a quick one. We yeah. just read through the book. It went for 90 minutes. <laughs> it's longer than most future yeah. lips. So. It's like 200 words or something. Yeah. That's a, that's a heck of a read. So going by that, if the ratio holds up this week, we will be here for several weeks. I look forward to this. We get I through. don't have anything on. I'm wearing diapers. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the book that I have read is Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go Tell It? On it? The yes, on the it. mountain. Mm. Go, go Tell It, it on the Mountain. It sounds sassy. <laughs> oh, right, Go Tell sounds It like, on the Mountain. Yeah, it sounds like something you'd say to someone when you don't want to, you're like, I don't want anything you're saying. <laughs> oh, a bit of a talk to the hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go Tell yeah, It on the Mountain. Go Tell It on the Mountain. Yeah, don't <laughs> tell it me. nobody is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, get your ass up the mountain and <laughs> tell it over there. Yeah. 
Uh, it is the debut novel from American writer James Baldwin. James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Are either of you familiar with this book or this author, Alex? No, any relation to the more famous Baldwin? <laughs> he is what, the fourth, Oddly, yes. fifth Baldwin brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many other? So he is related. It is. No. Oh, no, I thought that was serious. Either. I was like, okay, well, talented family. No. <laughs> no, uh, no he he came. Maybe the original Baldwin, you could call him. Yeah, the first Baldwin set the tone for the others. Completely different Baldwin. He's different. Uh, yeah, Af- African American like um, writer, thinker, intellectual, and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I studied this book and a bunch of his writing in university. So yeah, I, I it's a I'm curious to see what you think when about you, this book. Okay. When you said it was yeah. the debut, like first novel, mm. I just assumed it was brand new. I was like, oh okay, I don't know how you found out about this guy. Like I just thought I never thought it would be old. Like and you just yeah, said that. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, so this is an old. But just the way you said it, debut, I was like, just came out. Just came out. That's right. I and I've just said instant classic. You've That's seen right. this guy posted on Reddit or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, please read my book. You're like, okay, give him a go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Britannica describes him as you're absolutely right, uh, Sammy. He's an American essayist, novelist, and playwright whose eloquence and passion on the subject of race in America made him an important voice, particularly in the late 1950s and early 1960s in the United States and later through much of Western Europe. So, Eastern Europe, not so. No, nah, not, not so, so much. Keen. They weren't fans <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Too cold, too angry. Although he was very socialist, so you would have thought Eastern Europe would have picked him up. They're welcome, but apparently not. Didn't didn't, didn't want to be there. Yeah, they're, no. they're not interested in first novels. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't take a risk. Third <laughs> novel. Yeah. 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 Prove yourself, yeah. man. <laughs> Go tell it on the mountain. Uh, so Go tell it on the mountain. It was, was first published in 1953 and is semi-autobiographical. A long considered an American classic in 1998, the Modern Library ranked Go Tell It on the Mountain 39th on its list of 100 best mm-hmm. English language novels of the 20th century, which, Sammy, we were talking before about. Yeah. If I, if I go off a list when I'm picking these books. Because I was wondering what your process is for picking these books, and, and I assumed it must be one of those times... Time, you know, Time magazine came out with the top 100 books of the 20th century at the end the turn of the century they did that. And I thought maybe it'd be something like that. What number was Hungry Hungry Caterpillar? <laughs> <laughs> number one. I mean, obviously. <laughs> Where else could you put that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I try and vary it up. It's not everything. Some stuff's a bit old. Mm. You know, a bit of Jane Austen, that sort of stuff. Um, I'm slowly getting through this list, though, sort of semi-accidentally. I've mm. covered now 10. Not bad. Out of 100. Yeah. And so far, do you agree with their numbering? Uh, they're all pretty good. I believe this list put James Joyce's Ulysses at number one, and I haven't read that, but number two was The Great Gatsby, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But other books that I've read since that are lower on the list, I would put higher. Yeah. But also, like, the criteria is different. It's not, like, the best written. It's also, like, the most influential. Yes. And the one that, uh, and then like, which one affected the English canon the most. And it's all these things where you're, like, when the judging criteria is made available. You know, it's, like, it's... Yeah, it's stuff the that doesn't you, really apply to us. Yeah, it's the things you say to yourself when you don't win an award at the comedy festival. <laughs> you're, like, oh, it's because they were going with the most uh, funny show, not my... <laughs> my show, yeah, my yeah. show barely affected the English canon. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's a small so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting through the list. Maybe one day I'll get through them all. Cool. It will take me a while. Have you seen I Am Not Your Negro? No, I actually have not seen it. It's that. on Netflix, I think, now. 
Uh, it's a it's a doc like about the life of James Baldwin. It's really good, really worth oh. watching. Really, really worth watching. Yeah, yeah, great. Now I'm very interested to see it, especially. After but everyone this. keep listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. so you watch <laughs> yeah. it later. Later. Yeah, they're like, Whoa. don't pause and come back because you'll never come back. We know. <laughs> no. Yeah, once you realize that there's much more on Netflix, <laughs> not coming. Netflix back. Yeah. Oh, hang on. <laughs> now I will say uh, it's a very religious book. Mm-hmm. Uh, each part, which is essentially a chapter, opens with not one but two Bible quotations. Cool, so it's really doubling up there. Yeah, which is standard, I think. I mean, if you if I open most of my comics, yeah, you always two Bible <laughs> two quotations. So each, each, and, <laughs> 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 and that's why you're not winning awards. You know? <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> I'm doing great in the Pentecostal <laughs> yeah. circuit. Oh my God, they love oh, me. Oh man, tap it. You gotta uh, tap that mic. The Hillsong open mic. I am a hit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, you're singing to 10,000 teenagers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all finger-banging in the yeah. church because <laughs> they're not allowed to have sex for some reason. <laughs> um, did you say each chapter starts with a Bible? With each? two Bible quotations. Just which, one after the other. Yeah, so there's like a title page and there's one, and then there's a, before ch- the chapter starts, another one. That so is it's really lot. doubling up. So when you read it, do you pay attention to the Bible quotes? Like, Because, you know, sometimes like people, authors will put the quotes in. And no, like you just skim that. You don't even skim that part. You're like, oh, there's a quote, and you move on to the actual. Yes, I mean, I read it and try and understand it, Mm -hmm. but I don't go into looking Looking up. up. Okay, which maybe I I really should. Did you feel like after you'd read the chapters that you'd go, oh, it did associate with that quote, or did the quotes just not have little to do with it? Occasionally, okay, but I didn't get it every time. Yeah, I mean, even the title is a reference to the gospel song, "Go Tell It on the Mountain." Mm. So, but I um I didn't grow up with any sort of religion. So cards on the table. I feel like that there's a level here that I'm not getting the novel. Well, I'm one of the reasons why I got very excited when you told me this is the book because I was like, I want to know what, and I don't mean this in any offensive way or anything like that, but I want to know what a white Australian man mm-hmm. thinks about a seminal work of African American literature. Like, I feel like this should be a really interesting. Um, yeah, anthropological study. <laughs> I feel like the other level I'm not getting on the the book on is it does deal with a bit of racism mm. and that sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think James Baldwin's later works were even more. Uh, yeah. uh, how do I say this? Dealing directly with racism. This is the story. There's racism going on. In yeah. This is more. It's semi autobiographical. Right? Yeah. So that, yeah. therefore, it's yeah more about his religious background. Yeah, that's right. And I feel like sort of white people oppressing them is always incidental racism is around them at all, all yeah. times. Um, so yeah, it's I feel atmospheric. Like really. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it adds to the, the horrible vibe. <laughs> um, yeah. So I feel, I feel like the two levels that I'm not quite getting the book on is the, the race level and also. The religion level. level. The two levels that are yes, essential. But I, will, I know, but I will say that so people do write in to ask me what books they'd like me to do. And I have had a lot of feedback. People saying it would be great if you covered books that aren't. Because a lot of classics, if you, even if you Google the word classic literature, it's all white men. This has never been brought up before. <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing of such a thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's welcome to the reason why critical race theory is now yeah. being brought about and it's so controversial. So, and I obviously I want to, I would like to cover... We, we had J.K. Rowling, us women. And <laughs> that worked out great. Ruined it, hasn't <laughs> she? We had one good one. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what it was. Of course, plenty of amazing female yes, authors. Yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> she was the yeah. one that... Made many people start reading. You know what it is? It's because no white male authors have ever done anything controversial or problematic. (laughs) And therefore, they can publish these great works. Whereas, you know, let's cancel the fuck out of Rowling. (laughs) 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 So part one is called The Seventh Day. The story takes place on Saturday, which is the seventh day, a day for rest. 
Isn't shouldn't Sunday be the seventh day? If you're counting, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday is the seventh. Well, that's Saturday just is the your sixth work day. week, man. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. You, that's true. Well, what's God's work week? <laughs> uh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never checked with him. <laughs> what day did he start? So he rested on which day? On the seventh. Day. Okay, and that would have been a Saturday. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess so. I think. <laughs> so why don't we start our week on on Sunday? As God intended. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Mysterious ways. Let's chalk it <laughs> yeah, exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, I always start with the opening line, uh, mm. just to, uh, to read it out here. And that is, uh, everyone had always said that John would be a preacher when he grew up, just like his father. It had been said so often that John, without ever thinking about it, had come to believe it himself. Not until the morning of his 14th birthday did he really begin to think about it. And by then, it was already too late. What, Never what has African American literature been more evocative than when read out <laughs> James Baldwin's words read out by inner city North Melbourne Dave Wernatty. I uh, I'm ready so for uh, any audiobook any of you want me to read. I'll, I'll get in your ears. Apparently the autobiography of Malcolm X is what you should be narrating for Audible right now. Can you I mean, what's can you Sammy, what's his option? Options do an accent? No, no, no. I'm grateful that didn't happen. But goddamn, even this was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was me trying to be as neutral as I could. <laughs> okay, come on. Sorry about that. So I'm imagining he's lying on his bed and he's looked down and he's already in preacher clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Late, that's oh, what, no. As someone who hasn't read the book, that's yeah. that was already too late. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what have I signed up for? <laughs> and we are off. John is our main character and his father, the preacher, is uh, Gabriel. Uh, set in Harlem in New York City in 1935, John lives with his father, Gabriel, his mother, Elizabeth, his younger brother, Roy, and two younger sisters, Sarah and baby Ruth. And they live in a poverty-stricken house. Another thing that's quite interesting is before I did the Very Hungry Caterpillar, the one before that, <laughs> I did... I did um, Go on. If you, if you count that as a proper episode of the show, I did um, A Handful of Dust, which is uh, Evil and War. Mm. And that is also set in the 1930s, but like in upper class English yeah, society. society. So same era, but other side of the world, very, very different setting. Also, can I, I'm checking something. My memory might be failing me. Uh, Gabriel is his stepfather, right? John's stepfather and not his father? Yes, but we don't know that yet. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> Fuck, I ruined it. Cut that out. Let's make a mark. There we go. Oh, my God. I am going to go. I feel like Sorry. it's all over now. So I just can't sit through this. I'll Sammy's shut up for the rest of the show. <laughs> Spoil the crap out of it. Well, actually, I like that you're not keeping secrets from me. <laughs> Warnicky over here. Yeah. Hey, I've got a few things up my sleeve, a few reveals to yeah, come. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Let me, let me guess, baby Ruth is a step baby. <laughs> <laughs> so John is expected to follow in his father's footsteps and become a preacher at the local church, which is called the Temple of the Fire Baptized. But he isn't so sure about that. Is a preacher a job? His, his father also works a job. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so it's like a side, side, <laughs> yeah. side like hustle. Comedian, you know, like, yeah. You're expected to be comedian. an open mic comedian when you grow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. Can't I get a full-time job? No. <laughs> okay. You want something that gives you flexibility to preach. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> One or two days a week. <laughs> no money. <laughs> but John, he's having an, an internal crisis mm. here. He's recently, quote, sinned his hand. A.K.A. had a wank in a school toilet. 
I, I also call it sinning my hand. That is, to this day, how I refer to <laughs> wanking. Yes, I sinned my hand, yeah, you know. <laughs> Very different to singed your hand. <laughs> yeah, that, that, and, yeah. And less that's how hard I you go. That's my hand. I get real masturbated, yeah. it feels like I'm being wanked <laughs> off by a burn victim. <laughs> feels like someone else's burn hand. I singe when I go too hard. <laughs> <laughs> the friction is crazy. <laughs> Like, the hand isn't really the isn't really the body part that's doing that's the being sinning. sinned. Is it? Yeah. Sinned my hand. It's not your mind that's doing most of the sinning in that situation. It's not the hand that should be mentioned. Uh, he sinned, and this was also in a school toilet whilst thinking about older boys, and that's ah, also made him go. Okay. He's having a bit of a crisis, being like, I shouldn't have done that. This sin, coupled with his bubbling hatred for his violent father Gabriel, has meant that he dreams of doing other things with his life instead, not preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't actively rebel against his dad though that is left to his younger brother Roy who despite only being 12 is an outspoken rebel he outwardly resents his father Gabriel and complains to their mother Elizabeth that he shouldn't beat the family like he does he says quote when I have children I ain't gonna treat them like this this is 12 year old Roy cool Roy's got a good uh, and they wrote ain't didn't they I ain't. I ain't. They, that's how it's written. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just checking. Try, yeah, that wasn't Dave. Just checking you were trying out the. <laughs> yeah. I will be uh, paraphrasing a bit here. <laughs> trying out some into Evonics suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is awkward. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Cool younger brother. Uh, Elizabeth, this is the mother, insists that their father behaves the way he does because he wants to prepare their souls for heaven and steer them to a good life. Mm-hmm. And that he works hard to provide for his family. He's got his side hustle. <laughs> he's got his main job. Just get, get preaching and break. <laughs> and he's beating the shit out of everyone <laughs> yeah, in the family. Right. He's got a lot going on, this man. <laughs> the story takes place on a Saturday and no one has remembered that it's John's 14th birthday. Mm. And he feels a bit silly that this makes him sad. And it wouldn't be the first time his birthday has passed without anyone remembering. Have Has anyone ever forgotten your birthday? Yeah, my dad one year <laughs> forgot my birthday. No. He was on a cruise. <laughs> so he, he's like, sorry, I was in the international waters. <laughs> pretty pretty much. But I, I was quite cruel because I must have, but I was an adult. I was an adult. So I'm not too annoyed. I was like 20 four or something mm. it wasn't a special birthday but i was quite cruel because i just didn't mention it waited to see how long it would take him oh. and it took him two weeks after it. And he, called, he was so upset i felt so i did feel somewhat so guilty. you didn't bring it up like a few days no. after even no wow. i just wanted to see and then he must have figured it out and then he i felt bad because he was so upset <laughs> he was very upset but also like i was like it will I then also got a really nice record player from him. Oh, okay. So guilt Pro- present. Pro- I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got such a good one. Yeah, yeah. a better present. Um, but I did feel bad. But also I was like, whatever. He was having a fun holiday and he probably wasn't with his phone. And then hmm. it's fine. No excuses. I don't care. I'm, ba- I'm bad. You forgave him? Yeah. <laughs> I once forgot an ex-girlfriend's birthday. And, and thus ex. <laughs> yeah, she did not forget from that point on. <laughs> it came up a lot. No, I signpost my upcoming birthday very aggressively to everyone around me to make sure that they fucking <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, that's right. You don't want any last minute presents from the petrol station. No, or no, no gift vouchers. <laughs> yeah. Put some thought into it, damn yeah. it. Yeah. I've told you every day for three months. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to get you. I'm just making I'm already it clear. Stressed. I've already made clear how much I love the works of James Baldwin. Yeah. So I okay. don't know what else I can say. Yeah. Well, I don't think I could give you a custom audio book. <laughs> 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 All right, so back to the story. When John goes to do his weekly chore of dusting and sweeping and always dirty rug, mm-hmm. he sweeps and sweeps and never gets clean, we learn uh, when he picks up a photo of his dad with another woman that Gabriel, the preacher, was once married before he married 
John's mother. Uh, this is when he lived in uh, the south of America. Mm-hmm. John believes that his father must have once loved this woman, Deborah, and wishes that he could speak to her and ask if she'd have any advice on getting his father to love him too. Oh, Which is very sad. That's so sad. <laughs> Looking at a photo, I guess this lady would be able to tell me what Deborah to do. Deborah holds the key. Like, Deborah's going to be like, no, that's my ex. Yeah. I don't, really I don't want to talk about it. But, but he can't, doesn't feel like he can ask his mother that, clearly. No. And what does that say? Says... So much. <laughs> um, okay, so he just finds this photo and he's like, I'm going to contact this lady. Not well, easy. He wishes he could. He wishes yeah. he could. But she's dead. Oh. oh. Yeah. Spoiler. Sorry. Okay. Uh, but he knows that. John John knows that his, mm. his dad's ex-wife is dead. Sorry. Oh, so he just wishes he could yeah, speak to Yeah, that's why he wishes I could speak to this dead woman <laughs> so I could find out the key to make my dad love me. Yeah, okay. So since and since he can't speak to the dead woman to find that out, the whole point, the whole plot point is useless. Basically, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can't. This is clearly debut novel bullshit. <laughs> yeah. like a good editor would have taken right. that. It doesn't out. become a yeah, horror book at this point. Another pointless red herring. All right. All right. His mum does re- does eventually remember his birthday. All oh. right. A little bit of joy for this kid finally. Audley gives him a record player. And I promise to never go on a cruise again. Yeah. <laughs> She gives him a few coins to buy himself a present and John goes out on the town. He goes to Central Park. He climbs his favourite hill. This kid's living it up. Mm. Living life. <laughs> life before phones was shit. Let's be a honest. little birthday treat. I'll climb my favourite hill. Well, now I've got 50 cents, I can climb a hill. Do you want to climb the other hill? No, I don't like that one. Not as much as Normally this he'd hill. deprive himself yeah. of that hill. He watches the wealthy white people walking down the street and imagines what his life would be like if he was older. Now, this is relatable. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I often sit on my favourite hill watching wealthy yeah, white people. Wow. Yeah. He thinks what, 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 how great it would be if he was older and wealthier. And whiter. <laughs> yes, implied. Yes. Uh, he speculates that these people don't read the Bible or go to church, but he struggles to think of them burning in hell forever. Uh, his father says that all white people are deceitful and that he should be wary of them. I mean, not bad advice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> well, honestly, reading this book from the white characters, I can understand why. We only really there's only one or two white people that ever speak, which are police officers. Mm. And uh, spoiler, they are <laughs> not nice. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, but they're always there. Like the, there's this constant threat of white people oppressing the characters mm. they spit at their feet as they walk past make derogatory comments and just generally are the worst hmm. yeah sorry to say mm. no no luckily that's it. ended now yeah. <laughs> never been yeah. a problem again now we can just <laughs> climb our favorite hills <laughs> yeah. together yeah now the white cops are so nice yeah <laughs> my favorite people <laughs> well john has another crisis because he decides to go to the cinema an activity that his father forbids and he's affected by the movie, which depicts a white blonde woman who lives a life of sin. Mm. Well, to quote from the book here. Do they name the movie? Uh, I can't remember if they name it. I, I, I did think to myself I should look it up. Mm. Probably Pippi Longstocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got me going. Yeah. <laughs> Got my words. Damn it, I forgot the phrase. My hand sinning or something. Yeah. <laughs> my hand hey, sinning. Use yeah. it every day. Yeah. <laughs> But this is from the book. It says, go on, girl. One day he would talk like that. He would face them and tell them and tell them how much he hated them, how they made him suffer, how he would pay them back. Mm-hmm. So he almost goes into manifesto mode. Yeah. What is he talking about there? The them. them. Oh, he's probably his father. Okay. 
everyone that's oppressing him, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mostly his dad. Damn. It's daddy issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So John is initially inspired by this movie, but when the character dies, he thinks of her burning in hell forever and is again conflicted. He struggles to, quote, find a compromise that between the way that led to life everlasting and the way that ended in the pit. But there was none, for he had been raised in the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's a key theme to the book. He feels trapped in the middle of these two forces. The way he'd enjoy living his life yeah. and the way that his dad tells him he should live his life and how he thinks is probably the right way because he doesn't want to go to hell. Yeah, well, I think if you've been raised like that and that's your beliefs, then that yeah. would have to be the right way because why the option is only to burn forever. Are you either, of you, either of you raised with religion? No, not, not at, at all. all. Yeah. Not no, at all. none? No, I did go to a Catholic school for like seven months but that's just because we lived across the road from it <laughs> and then did you move con- it was more convenience for my parents like then uh religion yeah we were just getting out we were living with my grandma while we we're getting our house built right and she is actually religious my nana's religious but i feel like most mm. nanas from that age are yeah because so, catholic um but i went to that catholic school and there was still a couple nuns there even though you know i didn't go to school that I mean, now it's a while ago. I'm 31, yeah. so it's not that long ago yeah. for there to still be none. And I just, yeah, it was still strange that I think I was probably the last few years of having a person dressed as a nun <laughs> walking around the school. Because I don't think that happens now, even at Catholic schools. Like, they're just dressed normally, the teachers. Yeah, normally, sure. <laughs> you know, just like teachers. Mm. Um, there was religious study every day as well, like in the morning. But I was pretty... Like, I was a bad student. Did you Even feel... in year one. I didn't listen, but I didn't listen to anything. Oh, okay. Like, I was going to ask if you felt behind because maybe other people have been, you know, learning and practicing their whole lives and you've just come in for this seven-month stint. I mean, I just... I don't think I was... I didn't... Because I was new to it as well, I didn't really take it very seriously. I yeah. think I sort of thought of it as, like, just story time. I didn't take I it very... Like, it wasn't <laughs> a part of life. I thought it was just, like, they're reading me another book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like how it was and because then I went to a state school straight afterwards that was and then we had religious studies but once a week but okay yeah apart from that that's my entire religious hmm. like religion in my uh, I, so, so little yeah, so yeah. Well, I'm even less than that but how about you Sammy yeah because I'm Pakistan so we grew up with religion it was kind of drummed into us constantly even um so the idea you know that kind of upbringing where um, you're always aware of the the, the the level of sin that you are accumulating or, and, and where you sit on the sin meter in terms of what activity <laughs> you're doing yeah. and how you're squaring your life choices with the sins you're doing and then how basically you're like, well, clearly masturbation feels too good to not... To, I'll risk hell. You know, like things like choices <laughs> yeah, yeah, you make right. as a teenager. This is so worth it, guys. Like, all right, I guess I'm burning. <laughs> you know, I can't um, imagine the added shame of religion because you get shame anyway just being a teenager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, You're doubly ashamed of your own body. Yeah. yeah, like my parents were religious but not like ultra-Orthodox or, or conservative that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's around always. So yeah, I can kind of relate to that. But, you know, obviously his dad's a preacher. It's a whole different level of religious religiosity. Yeah, part-time yeah. preacher. Yeah, part-time preacher, sorry. <laughs> yeah, full-time lover. <laughs> That's his business card. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the cinema, uh, John goes home and finds a terrible scene at his house. His aunt Florence is over and looking after his brother Roy, remember who's the bad boy, he's been cut with a knife. Mm. Roy had apparently travelled across town to fight some white boys who then cut him. Gabriel, their father, is there too, and John can't help feel when Gabriel looks at him, he wishes that it was John who was cut and not Roy. 
Ooh. That's got to be a bad feeling. No. Do you believe this was a real real intention of, yeah. the, of the stepdad? Or do you believe he's just being insecure? Like, uh, at the time, I thought, this has got to be insecurity. But then what you learn as you go along in the book, you go, oh, he probably is thinking that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Not a nice thought. Big story to tell with your eyes. Just looking at someone <laughs> like, oh, she was you. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just keep looking back at the cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So throwing in a head moving up. Yeah. And up. You, yeah. Doing a stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's playing charades. <laughs> right. Sounds like two words. <laughs> <laughs> Wish it was <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> Don't you get this? Wish it was you. <laughs> So Gabriel, the, the preacher father, is very upset with, quote, what white men do to their people. But Roy's mother and aunt insist that Roy is the one who goes out looking for these fights. Mm. He loves to fight. Aunt Florence tells Gabriel, who's her brother, that the boy is much like him when he was young and that Gabriel, remember, you were a terror to our mother too. There's obviously some unresolved tension between these siblings. Mm. Yeah. Wonder if that will play out. No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> Never going to be mentioned yeah. again. Just another plot. <laughs> exactly. Out. Get an editor, James. <laughs> and then the aunt moves to Florida. Yeah. Never to See be mentioned again. <laughs> but Gabriel insists that Roy is not to blame. But instead, it's their mother, Elizabeth, who can't control her children, and he slaps her for leading Roy astray. Oh, Roy, please. Yeah, that leads Roy, bleeding on the couch, to scream out and call his dad a bastard and threaten to kill him if he ever touches mm. his mum again. Mm. And this blasphemous language shocks Gabriel and makes him see red. He takes his belt off and goes to strike his son, but Aunt Florence, his sister, stops him. Wow. By f- like physically? Wow. Like yeah, 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 grabs him and says, no, stop. Yeah. Big scene. Yeah. But then we move on at about six o'clock that night. It's still all the one Saturday. Young John goes to the church to help set up alongside another boy named Alicia or Elisha. Which, which should we go with? Oh, I'm sure. mm. It's E-L-I-S-H-A. Oh, I'd say Elisha. Elisha will go with that. Because if it's a J, you'd go Elijah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah, that's fine. Elisha. Yeah. I think I was reading Elisha. All right. But I also I feel like you're lying. I feel like you were you were reading Alicia, but now you feel pressured into no, saying Elisha. No, no, I, I bring up this it? conversation, so now we've had it. It will, it will stop the tweets. It will stop the tweets. <laughs> he was saying it's Eli. Yeah. <laughs> it just it's too hard. You're just saying Evan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I rename all the characters to people I know, yeah. so I can relate to it. God, this Evan, what a weirdo. And then she went out and stopped Alex from beating the boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you love the book, The Great Wernacki. I always name the hero Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me feel like a man. (laughs) So Elisha, who's slightly older than uh, John, has already been saved and has become a youth minister, which is like an even more (laughs) 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 part-time. Elisha speaks to John about salvation and foregoing earthly pleasures, uh, hand-sinning, for the promise of heaven, encouraging John to turn his own back on the devil. Mm. That said, this doesn't stop Elisha from, from having a wrestling match with John. Oh, boy. Which, for the first time, ends in a draw. John is... So there have been other wrestling matches. Yeah. It's, and are these one of those, like, like it's a wrestling match, but really it's just like a dry humping match? Like I have read when uh, I've heard people analyze the book that maybe that is another um, way for John to explore his sexuality. Right. 
But is it, Elisha also exploring his sexuality in that scene, do you think? or I think that he is just lording over his power over the younger boy because okay. he's usually able to just wrestles and beats the crap out of him. Uh, but for, for now John's getting a bit older. He's finally able to hold okay. his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or it's just awkward wrestling with someone when they have a boner. <laughs> yeah. Like, basically. So. <laughs> That's right. They both have extreme boners. Yeah. It's just because they're not allowed to do anything yeah. about it. <laughs> a lot of tension. It's like, uh, nothing weird. I've actually got a boner all the time, so <laughs> yeah. don't worry about it's it. It's not about you. Yeah, this has nothing to do with you. I walked the whole it's, way here. It was very comfortable. Yeah. It's actually less hard since we started wrestling. Yeah. Can, you, can you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> Still massive. But I thought that this is a bit of John emotionally and now physically fighting off the church. Oh. Hello, symbolism. Oh, maybe, very nice maybe. Did you huh? come up with that yourself? Yeah, and I've even uh, I've even bolded "hello symbolism" and written two exclamation marks. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Hey, maybe yeah. that'll get me a point. I, no, I do. I do think that's a very valid point. A yes. point in an you've, essay. You've, you've yeah. studied this, right? Yeah, did I you don't do remember any? much of no, it, but I'm sure that. that sounds very plausible yeah, to me. Yeah. Sounds like the kind of thing I would have not written in my essay and my lecture would have been like it was right there. Yeah, come on. He's <laughs> going on about their bonus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sammy, did you have to write three pages about this 14-year-old's boner? <laughs> well, part one ends with some of the elders turning up to start praying, including John's Aunt Florence, who he's shocked to see as he's never seen her in the church before. Mm. Oh. It says, quote, John knew it was the hand of the Lord that led her to this place, and his heart grew cold. The Lord was riding on the wind tonight. What might the wind have spoken before the morning came? Strap in, everyone. We are in for a long night here. All right. Hey, book cheaters. Just Dave here dropping in to let you know that part of the world is heating up right now. Forget about last summer. It's all about this summer. We've all been inside long enough, so grab some beach towels, stock the cooler, make your escape. It's time to celebrate the best season of the year like never before. That's right, it's a book cheat summer. And with so many great stories and programs, Audible is the perfect summer partner. And now is the absolute best time to do it because Prime members can save 53% off your first four months. That's a good deal. Audible lets you listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all, an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts and exclusive originals, all available to download or stream. And right now, I am absolutely loving the Audible original podcast, Alan Partridge from the Oast House. If you're familiar with Steve Coogan's greatest comedy creation, he's done a podcast. (laughs) And i got to tell you, it is so, so funny. I'm on my second listen already. And the only place to listen to that is on Audible. Alan Partridge from the Yoast House, do yourself a favour. Audible is the perfect companion for summer because no matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Perfect for road trips, lazy beach days, long bike rides, or just barbecuing in the backyard. And right now, for a limited time, Amazon Prime members can save 53% on four months of Audible. That's only $6.95 a month. And if you're not an Amazon Prime member already, what are you waiting for? Go to Amazon and sign up so you can get this deal and so much more. Get more out of summer with Audible. To take advantage of this incredible limited time offer, go to audible.com slash bookcheat. That's audible.com slash bookcheat. A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash bookcheat to save 53% on four months of Audible. 
Now, TV has been a saving grace for many of us, but I'm sure by now a lot of you feel like you've caught up on every single show imaginable. You've binged everything. But if you're tired of scrolling through the same movies or TV shows and miss the excitement of weekly releases and brand new binge fests, then you have to get Acorn TV. Acorn TV is the largest commercial-free British streaming service that features compelling stories, exclusive premieres, and originals you won't find anywhere else. Now, one of my favourite Australian TV shows of all time is Miss Fisher's Mysteries. But I've seen them all, right? But I've recently discovered on Acorn TV that there's a spin-off show, Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries. In the spin-off, Franny Fisher's long-lost niece, Peregrine, decides to follow in her stylish footsteps as a lady detective for a new era. With the help of the handsome, straight-laced detective James Steed and a group of accomplished women, Peregrine investigates murders in 1960s Melbourne. Saint Magazine praised this rendition as, quote, an enormous success in its own right. Fun, interesting, beautifully styled and charming. And the New York Times calls the series, quote, clever crime fair. I love the sets of the original one and I'm loving this spin-off show, so do yourself a favour. So if you're ready for a streaming service that offers new stories, new characters and breathtaking sceneries every single week, do what I did and get Acorn TV. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and using my promo code BOOKCHEAT. I should note you have to enter the code in all lowercase letters. That's A-C-O-R-N dot TV with the code BOOKCHEAT, all lower letters, acorn.tv with the code BOOKCHEAT, and you'll get your first 30 days for free. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's right. The book takes place over 24 hours, right? It's like, in, in, yes. in, it's like flashbacks and all that. Yes, with many yeah. flashbacks. So the I book, forgot about that. Yeah, so it's broken up into three parts. That's part one. And part two is called The Prayers of the Saints. And the structure is... As three of the main characters pray, we learn about their tragic backstories, mm-hmm. each more tragic than the last. Nice. <laughs> Looking forward to some yeah. misery yeah. Yeah. So it's Florence's, it's, this is the title, it's Florence's prayer, then Gabriel's prayer, then Elizabeth's prayer. Mm-hmm. Each with two Bible quotes preceding them. Florence, Elizabeth, who was the middle one? Uh, Gabriel, the preacher himself. Okay. Their dad, yeah. yeah. So yes, Aunt, Aunt Florence, Father Gabriel, <laughs> Mother Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the kind of church where people pray out loud and shout and collapse and cry and do a bit of speaking oh, in tongues. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The best kind. I think so. The only kind that's not boring. <laughs> yeah, the, to watch footage the most, of. Exactly, the most mean, entertaining yeah. to watch footage yeah, yeah. of. If you had to be taken to church as a kid, you'd rather go to that church than just a dull one, right? Yeah. And then people just praying in, in silence. Yeah. You're thinking, what are they praying about? Yeah, you said the whole time you're like, are they all actually praying? Are yeah, they doing on. what I'm doing? Right <laughs> <now>? <laughs> Questioning what they're Everyone's doing. Everyone's just thinking, wonder what they're praying about. <laughs> What are they asking for forgiveness for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it flashes backwards and forwards between them and the church praying and also the individual history. So I, I really did like the structure yes. of this of this section. Uh, first up is Florence. 
mm-hmm. the aunt who, like I said, has never been to the church before. And she's really had to swallow her pride to go there because she can sense her brother, Gabriel, the preacher, is happy to see her, not because it means that she wants to be saved, but because it means something bad must have happened to her for her to make this radical about face. <laughs> That's what she feels. So why doesn't do they, does her backstory say why she doesn't go to church? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's just actually not like for a religious guy. That's not a very nice way to. No, be. not at all. He. I mean, apart, I should have picked up from the beatings that he wasn't nice, but that's also just like fuck, stick, suck it, <laughs> yeah. suck it. Yeah. Oh, well, well, well. <laughs> not welcome, sister. <laughs> <laughs> you must be pretty, pretty yeah. depressed. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, this must be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's quite sick and has been hearing in her mind, she's been hearing uh, the quote, set thine house in order for thou shalt die and not live. Uh, and she's hearing that over and over again, uh, which is from the Bible, and she's come to repent before the Lord. Okay. So she's having her own crisis internally. Uh, Florence, we learn, grew up in the South with her mother and younger brother Gabriel. Her mother had been enslaved for 30 years before slavery was abolished. Mm -hmm. And her father had fled north soon after Gabriel's birth. So Florence always dreamed of doing the same. Okay. Uh, She was forced by her mother to wait hand and foot on her brother Gabriel, who, unlike her, was allowed to go to school. This is all despite the fact that Gabriel was a real rebel and lived a life of drinking and sinning, and he never appreciated how well he was treated. And for this, Florence always hated and resented him. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, she's like, you know, basically looking after him, helping to raise him, forgoing her own education. And he's just like, I don't care about any of this. And now he's acting all holier than thou. Yeah, he's very holy. Yes, yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) She's like, mate, I know your backstory. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. You can't lord anything (laughs) over me. (laughs) Well, 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 if it's the lady who can't read, (laughs) just come back. With her mother on her deathbed, she left Gabriel to deal with it. Walking out on him, him, telling him that she was heading north and she was going to go live a proper life. She had big city dreams and really rammed it home to her brother as she was leaving that she was going to make something of her life, not live like they've been. Mm. Never say that. No. Never. No. Never no. Really sets stuff up for failure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're, you're not going to be... If, no. yeah. But if you're humble and find success, you look yeah. great. I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. It's a good I'll thing. probably yeah. be back tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> she did move to New York City and married a man named Frank. Mm-hmm. Who? Sadly, squandered all their money and could never quite get never it together. Never Frank. No. Classic mistake. No. Right there. Yeah. She, she should have moved back right after. Yeah. Unfortunately, they teach that in school. She wasn't a privilege yeah. enough to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were married for 10 years before he left her for another woman, which, to be honest, left Florence kind of relieved because he yeah. was... She had an out. Yeah, he was a dropkick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she heard that Frank died in France during World War One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, oh. very tumultuous period in in uh, world history. <clears throat> and she sometimes still thinks of him lying buried over there somewhere. She's like, if I knew where his grave was, I'd go and visit with flowers. But he's just so oh, so she does like mourn his death. Yeah, like, yeah. Not, like find out and go piss on it or something. No, no. She's yeah. like, yeah, no. You know, he's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all right. He just wasn't for me. Yeah. Uh, back in the church praying, because remember it jumps forward and back, uh, Florence hears her brother Gabriel speak. And this reminds her of a time when her friend Deborah, remember Deborah, who we saw in a photo. Mm-hmm. At the start? Mm, yes. Gabriel's first wife. Yeah. She remembers the time when Deborah, Gabriel's first wife, wrote him a, uh, wrote her a letter. Okay. So Florence uh, got a letter. 
In the letter, Deborah wrote of how she suspected her husband Gabriel of fathering a child with another woman. Florence kept the letter for years, keeping it to confront her brother whom she hated so much. Yeah. Even tonight in the church, she has it in her handbag and wonders if she'll ever confront him with it or if she'll die first. Oh, damn. Mm. So that's oh. sort of hanging over the story now. Yeah. And that's the end of her prayer. Oh, cliffhanger. So, yeah, it Great. sets it up. You're like, oh, yeah. that's, is that going to come back in the final act? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> exactly not. <laughs> James, <laughs> come on. That was interesting. I feel like Gabriel's got a blessed life. He'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up, with her all the time. <laughs> yeah, Today could be the day. Yeah. Like, what about when he was about to beat his kid or whatever? Just maybe pull it out. Many yeah, that's some great. Yeah. Yeah. Just distract him. Yeah, that's from a the great moment. Yeah. Uh, next up is the preacher Gabriel's prayer. Mm. We learn that for the first twenty-two years of his life, he lived a life of sinning via drinking and sleeping around. Until one morning, walking home drunk from a night out, he felt the world suddenly stand still. And falling against a tree, he called out for forgiveness from God. And hearing his mother sing in his ears, he decided he should be born again. Oh. So he had a real real moment out there. I mean, yeah, it happens when you drink, usually. You probably had one last few days. I yeah, yeah. Well. Last so, night. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> no, most of the time you go to bed. Yeah. Just <laughs> and then you wake up and you eat egg and bacon. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't remember any of it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been born again last night. Back to my yeah. old self yeah. today. Gosh, I think I had a really deep thought last night. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually last night have that thing where, like, you uh, while half asleep, I thought it was stand-up bit. And I was like, that's a good bit. That's so good. And I didn't write it down. Uh, and if this it mo- helps, maybe it wasn't that good. Oh, no, right. in my dream, it was, really it was killer. But how but many yeah. times have you written something down that, and then it's working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you wake up the next day and you go, what the hell's that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I've also gotten good bits out of it sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah, sometimes. But like this one I felt confident about. So confident that I was like, I don't need to get up and write it down because you, clearly you it'll be there. This the is morning. so good. No, you always have to write. I know. You have oh. to. Uh, rookie mistake. So, hopefully, so. hopefully, I believe it'll come back to you. Thank but you. But in a very annoying, like at the some, world will stand at still a time when, you'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. when you won't want right. to write it down either. You'll be driving yeah. or something. But yeah. if it comes back to you, will you be like, "That's a sign. I need to be born again." Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I'm looking for signs these days. <laughs> anyway, like, yeah, anyway, yeah. I want to be. I'm open micing already. I might as well become a, <laughs> might as well a preacher as well. <laughs> Why not? Captive so audience. Close. Same gig. Yeah. <laughs> So he was born again against this tree. He became a preacher and a woman named Deborah became his greatest supporter. Mm. She cooked and cleaned for him. Uh, tragically for Deborah, she had been sexually assaulted by a group of white men earlier in her life. And because of this, no one in her community wanted to marry her. She was seen as unrespectable, which is right. horrific. Uh, hearing her as the butt of a joke one day, Gabriel stood up for her and it suddenly hit him that he could marry her and erase her shame quote and raise her to a place of honor as a woman he could give her esteem and respect as the wife of a reverend that's his theory so he really changed as a person yeah like for a while there he tried to do good things yeah tried to really live the life sometimes like sometimes my instinct there is to be like yeah okay she doesn't need you but then in this case in this era (laughs) that would have helped (laughs) like i hate that she had to marry him to like to get that but also i was like well he is changing the course of history there if he does this uh, cut back to the church, and Gabriel's thoughts are interrupted by what he thinks is John, our main character, speaking. But it's not John, but the youth minister, Elisha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wrestler. 
Yeah. The wrestler, you miss a slash wrestler, <laughs> Elisha. Elisha. <laughs> the ultimate Evan. Elisha. Yes. Evan the wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now I'm losing track. Uh, so he thinks it's, it's John speaking, but then he realizes it's not. It turns out that Gabriel does not want John to come under the power of the Lord when his own sons have not. And it's like, well, isn't John his son? Well, it turns out, no. John isn't Gabriel's son. That's Wait, right. I did know that from you. So, yeah, I'd from forgotten. My, from my I'd completely well. forgotten. I'm so wrapped up so in your storytelling, <laughs> I had forgotten. Yeah, that's right. This is the point that's that I'm reading it that I'm discovering. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so hang on. So that means John doesn't know. No, John does not know. But, but now we've learned from Gabriel's inner that's, thoughts. He, yes. Because he hears Elisha speaking the, the word of God. And he's like, hang on, is that John saying that? Oh no! It's that other kid. Thank goodness I wouldn't want him to be saved before my real, before my sons. And you're like, what, John? Who remembers? Were you like what? Yeah, I, honestly, and I, yeah. at the time I thought, have I misunderstood something? Oh, I didn't good think writing. it was a great moment yeah. of. I wasn't like, oh. And then when you read through the next bit, you realize, hang on, he's not his son. He's someone else's son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. So John, who remembers our main character having his own religious crisis and wondering why his dad doesn't love him, is actually the bastard son of Elizabeth and was, un- and was an unnamed infant when Gabriel married his mother. And not... Where's Deborah gone? Deborah's the first wife. Okay. How'd she yeah. die? Um, we will get to that. Okay, cool. So, okay, so here's a, 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 a kind of weird question, but... Yeah, one of those things is like we, we're so spoiled now by how much TV we've got, yeah. How many you know, YouTube videos and TikTok and all that stuff. Does a dramatic reveal in literature still hold up? You know, when it hits, like it's it's it's, like, yes. it's a small twist in the plot to that. Yes, yeah, because you but have does no it idea. Affect you as the reader. Yeah, I enjoyed it because I thought at first, oh, I'm dumb. I didn't. I don't. I don't mm. understand what's going. On. I've obviously missed something. And then you keep reading, and you realize, oh no, I'm not supposed to know that. Oh, oh, that's not his son. That's someone else. That's interesting. And then a few things make yeah. sense. Like why why he's looking at Roy like, I wish my other son was stabbed. You're like, yeah, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, Roy's yeah, the one yeah. acting out here. <laughs> he's the yeah, bad yeah. boy. And then, yeah. And it, so it does. It yeah. does hit you and you go, oh. And you've, uh, for me, I felt really dumb. And then I felt really smart because I suddenly got it all. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I thought I'd misunderstood. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, I meant, I was meant to misunderstand. Because Gabriel's sons are not in the church tonight. One, it turns out, is dead. And the other is at home on the couch, having been stabbed, cursing his father. So that's Roy. Which means there's another son we haven't met yet. Yeah. Who's dead. I'm loving this. So that's why Not John... Not that he's dead. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving that. I love that. <laughs> True crime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can someone investigate this? Yeah. <laughs> so that's why John is treated badly by who he thinks is his father... And Roy is cut a, a cut break after break despite his terrible behaviour. Okay. So that sort of sort of explains that it's still not right, but you 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 start to get the motivation a bit more. Uh, we learn that Gabriel's first son was uh, the result of an affair with a woman named Esther. This was after he'd become a minister, been born again, and married Deborah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're not like, oh, this it's not in his early years when he's sleeping around. He's supposed to be settled down. Gabriel and Esther were working together and uh, in his other job. <laughs> and despite Gabriel knowing it was wrong and against God, the two started a short-lived but secret relationship. Mm-hmm. He even, over and over again, he hears the word Jesus in his mind. But he, he, he 
pulls away from that and still goes to the woman. Or he's just seeing it, at, you know, <laughs> exactly. while having Jesus, sex. Wow, Jesus, wow, this is good. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm doing all right. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm having a crisis over here. <laughs> Why are you crying? <laughs> Uh, when she got pregnant, Gabriel told her that he couldn't leave his wife, Deborah, mm. for her. Not a good man like him. No, he's. What would the community he's say? The best yeah. Guy. I love Gabriel. He's the best guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the best kind of guy. That's right. He's religious when it suits him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's the Barnaby Joyce of this novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, instead, he stole all the money. So he's like, I can't leave my wife for you, but what I can mm. do is. I can steal all the wife, all the money from my wife Deborah that she's been secretly saving, and I can give it to you to go away. Cool, <laughs> much better choice. Oh my god! I can, uh, yeah, okay. I can fuck over three women at once. Yeah, That's he what I really. Can do here. Yeah, he couldn't have planned it better. In fact, if he tried <laughs> yeah. at this point, yeah. He considered Esther to be an evil woman sent by Satan to did. tempt him, a test that he failed. Classic Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. <laughs> It's always playing the blame game, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so Esther moved to Chicago to give birth, where again, tragically, she died in childbirth. I told you the backstories get grimmer and grimmer. Yeah. I feel they like really there's do. a lot of dead people and Gabriel isn't being investigated yeah. sufficiently here. Yeah. What are dead women? Yeah, a lot yeah of people, right? Yeah. yeah, people like the, the web is connecting to him. Yeah. yeah. Gabriel's last name, in the last chapter, the last line is Gabriel's last name was Dharma. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Gabriel Dharma. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> No, that's a reveal. Yeah. <laughs> so she died, um, but the son lived, and she she uh, lived long enough to name her son Royal, a name that Gabriel had spoken of wanting to call his son, and he thought that she did this as a final fuck slap you, in the face basically. to him. Yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Good on her. Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Esther. Yeah. Yes, yeah. She's like, call him Royal. That'll piss him off. <laughs> <laughs> call him, go fuck yourself, yeah. Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the birth certificate. Like, I don't know about that. Fine, go Royal. Royal. He'll understand the subject. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Royal actually moved back and moved in and lived in the same neighborhood as Gabriel and his wife, Deborah. Mm. But the boy never knew the identity of his father. Gabriel never knew also of Deborah. What a coincidence. Yeah. Having to move back to the one suburb. <laughs> and Gabriel sort of his whole life watching him from afar. So he knew he was a, he knew who he was. Yeah, he knew who that it was his son, but Royal had no idea. Mm-hmm. Gabriel's just a guy on the, a couple of times he runs into him and he goes, "Hey, what's up?" We look the, we look similar. Weird. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gabriel also had to live never knowing if Deborah was aware that the child was his or if she knew that he'd taken the money because he'd later replaced it but didn't know if Deborah had ever noticed oh. it. So he's he's like Oh, so he paid her back. Yeah, he paid her back. Well, but she might have she might have noticed. And yeah. he, he never That's gaslighting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean When she it? notices it's missing and then he puts it back and he's like, I don't know what you're talking what about. Were they banks back then? Like what is it just like Handfuls of cash. I don't know if women could open a bank account back then, particularly like, like a black woman yeah, in, in, in the Holland. 30s. I mean, yeah. if they tried to, they probably got killed yeah. for it by the sounds of things. Yeah. So I guess it was just cash that he took. Yeah. She must have had a bit of money not to notice. It was a little. It was just enough to get Esther away. <laughs> like 1930s economy. We're looking at what seven bucks, eight <laughs> bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he's keeping an eye on Royal the whole time, growing to hate his own wife Deborah for not being able to have children. Mm. So he's just 
<laughs> he's just every shitty characteristic you could put in a character oh, I know, in he, one place. He's supposed to have married her for these nice reasons. Yeah. And yeah, now he's growing. Her. Yeah, growing. He's cheated on her and now he's growing to resent her. A royal ended up being wild like his father had mm. been. And one day, Deborah gave the news she'd heard. Oh, I heard that that boy royal has been killed in a knife fight. Ooh. When Gabriel began to cry, his wife asked him if he was the father and if he'd been the one who took the money to give to his mistress. Wow. He admitted it. Deborah knew the whole time. Yeah. So was there a knife fight? Yeah, there was. Okay, yeah. so I the boy she had made died. She's like, gotcha. <laughs> she He's alive. I gotcha. <laughs> but he'd made it to like his teen. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great entrapment. <laughs> yeah. Either she already knew. Yeah. Or she figured that out on the spot, yeah. which is the cr- even cooler. Yeah, they're crying. He's like, <laughs> yeah. hang on a second. Bit of CSI yeah, going yeah, yeah. in her mind. <laughs> no, I think it, it, it's sort of implied. Well, it says, Deborah knew all along. And she actually told him, I would have gladly taken in that boy and raised him as our own. No matter what anyone else said, I wouldn't have yeah. cared. And that makes Gabriel even, even sadder. Yeah. Oh, idiot. Yeah, I know. It's like, well, you could have had a better life for everyone. Um, and, and a living child. Yes. Yeah. Royal dies. Deborah also dies. She gets she gets sick mm. and then dies. And that's the end of Gabriel's prayer. Finally, we've got Elizabeth's prayer, who was Gabriel's second wife, the mother of John, Roy, and two girls. Yes. And you're never going to believe this. She also has a tragic backstory. What? No. Can you believe it? No, I don't believe it. I thought hers was just going to be real boring. <laughs> Well, at eight, her mother had died and she'd been taken away from her beloved father to live with her strict aunt in Maryland. She hated the aunt for taking her father away from her. And they were very much at odds with each other. And And Maryland sucks, to be honest. Yeah, I don't want to be here. Fuck that. There's Blair witches (laughs) everywhere. It sucks. (laughs) She met a man named Richard who was working at a grocery store and fell in love with him. He convinced her to move to New York City and Elizabeth convinced her aunt to let her move in with her aunt's friend in Harlem, saying that she was moving Mm -hmm. there to study. Okay. And she and Richard, they were together. They were happy for a time. She didn't regret her life of sin, despite growing up religious. She sort of, uh, you know, turned her back on that to be with Richard. But uh, she did regret not telling Richard that she was pregnant. Mm Mm-hmm. You see, one night after walking Elizabeth home, Richard was arrested with three other black men who had committed a robbery. This is despite him having no involvement in the crime. He just happened to be nearby when the police turned up. The last time that ever happened in American police. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the white police officers, who are the only two white characters you hear properly speak, did not believe his protests of being innocent. And despite the other robbers even corroborating his story, saying, yeah, we did it. We yeah, did not know that man. Yeah. Oh, God, that's annoying. <laughs> the officers still beat and jail Richard. Elizabeth visited him in jail, and this broke her. And Richard was a boxer named Hurricane, and then Bob Dylan wrote a song about him. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. a whole side story that happened now. <laughs> uh, she sees him in jail, and it's really upsetting. She says, she looked out into quiet, sunny streets, and for the first time in her life, she hated it all. The white city, the white world. She could not that day think of one decent white person in the whole world. Mm. Mm-hmm. And after re- you know, reading what these people are surrounded by, I'm like, yeah, oh, I, I, get that. That. Mm. I get that. I get that. Uh, finally, Richard went to trial f- for this robbery. He's been in jail this whole time waiting a trial. He was acquitted, but with the damage done to his reputation... Cemented yeah. after Elizabeth sees him a broken man that night, he takes his own life. Oh, 
Oh my god I know So this story has good all good Every bit of tragedy You can imagine He took his own life Right after he got out Yeah because Yeah he's uh, I mean, Your reputation's destroyed You can't get jobs yeah. and stuff. That's right And, and moving across and now, the country Yeah and now he's known by police yeah, He's in America him. He's in New York Which is the safest place To be a black man mm. <laughs> Where else could he possibly go Is the problem at that point mm. It's only gonna get worse mm. <clears throat> Sounds like you wanted him to die. Yeah. Well, but, he but as a plot point, not for, <laughs> <laughs> he, not for personal reasons. I can assure you. <laughs> and this is why she regrets not telling him that she was pregnant. He never knew that. Yeah. And now, but she wasn't pregnant with his child. Yes. Right? This. So this is yeah. the the gross. Yeah. Richard. Yes. It's I his child. Which is going to be John, yeah, yeah. Mm. So she's pregnant with a child, but she never told him because she thought, oh, he's going through a lot in jail. Yeah. And then she thought he was getting out, but then he just couldn't face it. <sighs> um. And now she regrets never telling him because maybe he would have not taken his life. It's what she thinks. Uh, she was forced to raise the baby alone, working as a cleaner at night just to afford rent. And it was there that she met Florence, who was also working. Mm-hmm. John's aunt. Okay. Oh. Who, was, who was the one having the, Florence's prayer. Right. The one who's got the letter. Yeah. <laughs> she carries everywhere. <laughs> I wish people could see your adorable little wrist. My little hand going, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Don't make me tap the letter. <laughs> Uh, Florence spoke of her brother coming to town. You know, they, d- they used to do their shift and they'd get coffee after it yeah. every day. And she said, oh, my brother's coming to town. He's a recently widowed preacher who I haven't seen in 20 years. Elizabeth was intrigued by this. She ended up meeting Gabriel and he gave her hope that she could live a good life and he brought her back to faith. Mm. When he proposed marriage, he promised to care for John, the young boy, who was about six months old at that time, as if he was his own. And Elizabeth agreed. He said, I'll raise your son. Right. Because he's made that mistake once with Royal. So twice now, Gabriel has seemed to do an honourable thing and offered marriage and promised protection to two women whose society would have otherwise shunned. But both times didn't really follow through with the commitment. Yeah, both times it seems like they were better off without him. Yeah. Definitely. He speaks of good intention. Mm. So he cheated on Deborah and despised her for not being able to have children. And then he married Elizabeth when John was already six months old, promised to love him as a son, but does not seem as equal to his own son, Roy. Okay. There we go. That's the end of Gabriel's Prayer, which takes us to the final section of the book with young John screaming on the floor of the church or the threshing floor, as it's known, and that's the title of part three. Part three, the threshing floor. Cool. The, the, what is it? Threshing. 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 So, yes, the, the what, what they call the floor of the church. And oh. he's having a... Conniptions. Yeah, he exactly. He's having a, a religious moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The demons. Yeah, and he were taken deep into John's hallucinations. And this goes for pages and pages, and he has symbolic visions as he fights his way through the darkness and ultimately experiences a spiritual rebirth. Mm. There's flames, and he sees his father, whom he basically battles, and then there's comparisons comparisons and references to many biblical characters, some of whom, whom I knew, the main players, mm-hmm. and many I did not. <laughs> Jesus, God, the devil, yeah, I'm like, those oh, three. Yeah. I've heard of these guys. Yeah. Adam and Eve, you say. <laughs> better look them up. Okay. But ultimately, John is saved. It is morning, and the group has been in the church all night long. Just watching this kid. Yeah, watching a kid. Just watching him riddle, riddle yeah. around. Yeah, he's just writhing around. With a boner. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, they just put a blanket over it. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, Elisha probably also got a boner. The youth minister uh, and his family have it's been... It's safe to assume everyone has a boner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At all times. Everyone has a boner in this story. <laughs> every scene you've read, they have every a boner. Every scene. <laughs> it really changes how you see it. <laughs> uh, Elisha, the youth minister and his family have been with him and standing over him the whole time. John cries whilst many rejoice, including his mother and his aunt Florence. Can I ask a question? When John was having the hallucination and he battles his father, yep. is he battling which father does he battle? Uh, he battles Gabriel. That's right. Because okay. he thinks Gabriel is his yeah. father. Yeah. So there's no like uh, revelation of his actual No, he doesn't know. Okay. No, yeah. It's yeah. him fighting his own dad, trying to win his love. And he wakes up thinking, I'm saved. Mm. Everyone's happy. But his father is still cold towards him. Oh, come on, Gabriel. <laughs> I mean, I can give, throw a kid a bone. long night, man. 14 oh. years old. <laughs> when John tells his father that he's saved and his father almost acts as, as if he doesn't believe him, he says, it come from your mouth. I want to see you live it. It's more than a notion. Oh, yeah, sure, Gabriel. You know how <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm saved. Well done. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Just shocking bricks at a glass house. <laughs> <laughs> that is like his whole career. Yeah. Uh, so from here they slowly walk home splitting up into three groups uh, there's Elizabeth up front John's mother who walks with other women from the church they congratulate her on John being saved at such a young mm-hmm. age uh, she's crying and the women think it's because of John's rebirth but it's more than that she's also thinking of her first love Richard mm-hmm. and there's a few quotes of things that they said um, which are interspersed in the text there'll be a description and then it's just in italics and you're like I've heard that before. Oh, that's obviously Richard's voice in her mind. Right. So that was quite well done, I thought. Uh, Meanwhile, Florence walks with her brother Gabriel. It's time to resolve some tension. Yeah, (laughs) reaching into her purse for a letter. (laughs) The biggest paper cut of what I've got. (laughs) 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 The, The two siblings have been at odds for decades now. It's been 30 years. Finally, they confront each other. Florence challenges her brother and the holier-than-thou face that he puts on when really he's led quite a a life of sin. Uh And I love the line. She says, Who has you met, Gabriel, all your holy life long? You ain't made to drink a cup of sorrow. That's a good bit. Yeah, that's a great line. Yeah. That's a great line. Florence, probably my favourite character in this book. Yeah, Yeah, she's a great character. She's really taken him down. She also reminds him of uh, of Esther, who was uh, the father of mother of royal, mm. the woman he had an affair with. But he's tried to forget. She's yeah, like, "Do you remember Esther?" And he's like, "Oh, never heard." Of her. <laughs> <laughs> she says, um, uh, "You can't fool God the way you fool mortal men." Mm. She shows him the now thirty-year-old letter that Deborah wrote, suspecting him of infidelity and fathering a child. And he goes, there's nothing on this. It's a blank piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's faded. Right. Like a receipt that's faded. <laughs> never opened it. Why didn't you make a copy? <laughs> Why did you leave in the sun? Yeah. <laughs> it's just blank. We've been rubbing it in our little hands yeah. for 30 years. Well, he defends himself by saying only God can judge him and that God gave him a sign Classic. years ago that he mm. was forgiven. Mm-hmm. How convenient. Mm. Yeah, yeah. God said it was cool. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Florence promises him that before she passes, she will show the letter to his wife, Elizabeth. She says, quote, It'll make Elizabeth to know that she ain't the only sinner in your holy house. And little Johnny there, he'll know he ain't the only bastard. 
Oh, yeah, real damn. powerful. Yeah, Florence has got some great fucking lines. Yeah, in this. yeah. And that's sort of the, that's the end of their scene. Finally, John walks with Elisha. Elisha is proud of his younger friend for also having been saved. Yeah. John asks Elisha to keep praying for him, and Elisha agrees to look out for him so he doesn't falter. Because John's big worry is that he'll have a relapse and want to sin. He's like, please. Pray for me. No more wrestling. No, please, I know. <laughs> oh my god, it's really confusing. No more laying, laying of on of hands in the in the prayer. <laughs> they get to John's house, and John turns to his father and smiles, but Gabriel does not smile back. Oh, <laughs> and the final line is: They looked at each other for a moment. His mother stood in the doorway, in the long shadows of the hall. I'm ready, John said. I'm coming. I'm on my way. The end. Boom. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so there was no happy story between Gabriel and John. No, they never sort of made up. And in the in real, so this is semi autobiographical. So James Baldwin, for a time, did become a yep. preacher mm. before becoming a writer. And um, yeah, not really living that sort of life anymore. But and he was um, gay as well. Yes. he struggled with his sexuality. That's right, and came out at a time when it, yeah. you know p- people were very shocked. Mm-hmm. But he was open open with that as well. Um, so yeah, I guess he's a gay black man. Mm. Yeah, in nineteen fifties, sixties, like that's right, and part of the the civil rights movement, mm. and, and on the world stage, very very acc- acclaimed in his community, and yeah, uh, yeah. All right, what did you think? Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really liked. There were definite scenes I loved. Uh, scenes the I thought the two best scenes for me were um, both ones where women were telling Gabriel that he was a piece of <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah, <laughs> the first one was when Esther said, "Well, if you're not going to marry me, you, you got to give me some money." Yeah, you've got to. And she really belittled him and made him feel feel bad and. It, that was that was a great scene, and then the the final scene between him and Florence, where she really gave yeah. it to him, and he's trying to answer back like, "Oh no, God's cool." That she's like, no. "He's not," and you could tell that he's probably thinking, "Oh God, I'm gonna, you know, if yeah. this is all real, there's gonna be a comeuppance coming." Does his character learn anything? No, I don't think so. The one thing I I, I remember snippets of it, right? Like, sure. I'm surprised at how much I've forgotten. But one of the things I remember uh, the lecturer telling us is that it, the character of Gabriel's big um, flaw or character trait is that because he continues to be a preacher, he thinks that, well, God must keep forgiving me for my sins because I still have this job. So the job that he does uh, of preacher um, is the validation he needs to continue to sin, to continue mm-hmm. to be a piece okay. of shit because he's like, well, if, if God didn't want me to do this, didn't think I was worth what it, I would What do you think would job. happen to you, though, Gabriel? So you don't get fired from being a well, I guess yeah, he would feel like something would have happened that like would have cost him. Yeah. Well, I guess looking around, there's all these people that he go, well, all these other people have been struck down. Yeah. And I'm still yeah, 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 you know. You know, Esther's gone. Royal's gone. All these people are dying. I'm, yeah. I'm okay. Nothing so. bad's happening to me, even though it's like, well, all those people probably died because of your bad yeah, yeah, choices. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one died giving birth to your kid. Yeah, that's right. Now, it's yeah. not like as Australians, we can't understand a, a powerful figure with religious fanaticism in his background 
thinking that every decision he makes is purely because God, <laughs> because God is talking right to him, no matter who suffers <laughs> that, for it. That's right. It's nothing God, we can God relate to. God or Jenny, yeah, <laughs> yeah God, Jenny, the, the big two, the, the big, big two, yeah, yeah. Talk to you. I've got a big J in my life too, <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> God, you know he's used that at some point. <laughs> no, he <wouldn't> <laughs> uh, yeah, what would Jesus do? Works the same. What would Jenny do? do? Uh, we are, of course, uh, for overseas people talking about our. Uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who's uh, quite religious, and mm. basically come out and actually said that, you know, I'm working for God here. Yeah. Admitted laying on hands on people who've just survived a bushfire, things like that. Yeah. yeah. And also his wife is called Jenny. And <laughs> when um, there were, you know, issues with allegations where women were being sexually abused, he said, well, how, Jenny said to him, how would you feel if that was your daughter's? And then it was all clear to mm. him. Yeah, and then the next day came out like it was a big moment. I so, had a conversation with Jenny last night. Yeah. Like we'd all be like, oh, good oh, for thank you. God. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. It's okay, stand down, everyone. He's yeah, Jenny. No. <laughs> but yeah, all right, cool. This is, um, so one of the things I remember is being very conflicted about whether or not I liked the book. Uh, because I, um, the, writing, the writing is amazing stuff, but there were large chunks in the middle which I just remember glazing over. Maybe it was a youth thing. Yeah, when I read sure. It, but. I guess for me, the only things that I'm glazing over is there are bits like when he's battling sort of through his demons and there's mm. all these religious references and I'm not quite keeping up with that. Yeah. And I am sort of, I did find myself reading quite quickly through that and then being like, no, no, you should try and read this. But I did find myself glazing over those bits just because I'm just not. I mean, yeah. If I'm not getting the references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then the other bits, like I was really, really engaged with. Also, it's, it's, it's I mean... It's very tragic. Mm. So it was. Uh, I was reading it before bed each night, being like, "Oh gosh, this is grim. This is during grim. lockdown. During the two weeks of lockdown. Yes, it was. How'd you go? It was my lockdown read. <laughs> yeah, that I was know. a good job. But um, but I, I I loved the structure of it being like you know you set all the characters up at the start, then they all pray one by one, and then you learn a bit more about yeah. each one, and you're like, oh, that makes sense, and they all interconnect. So I thought that was really well done. I like that too. Even just from your retelling, I like the structure mm. of that. Yeah, it's a great structure. And then it sort of just leaves it open at the end for... Sequels. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a sequel. Well, That's right. <laughs> yeah. It zooms out there's some Godzilla eggs yeah. on the stage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> some baby ones. Go tell it to the hill. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, part two. Bring it back. <laughs> it doesn't sound like... like it doesn't, It's not a very satisfying ending, but that's okay. Not everything has to be... No, yeah. Satisfying. It didn't wrap it up. Like, I mean, if Gabriel had been fully smoted on the steps of his house or well, something. I wanted him to just get a cool gay boyfriend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and forget all his worries. But do you think if, let's say, in that last line, Gabriel turns to John and smiles fatherly. If he had done that. Yeah, if he had done that, would you have been satisfied with that, you know, change of personality and trusted it or any of those things? Or is it more true to the character and that's the story? Thing. Yes, that's interesting. <clears throat> I guess emotionally... You need it. <laughs> it would have made me feel better, yeah. but I probably wouldn't have believed it as much. Yeah. 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 So looking back, you'd be like, oh, he didn't have to wrap it up nicely. But also, I probably would have put it down and been like, I'm going to sleep a bit better <laughs> yeah. after this. Yeah. Fair that's, enough. That's why I choose your own adventure books. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Great. <laughs> yeah, choose your own smile at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's two options, either smile nothing or a smile. smile. <laughs> well, at the end, uh, we always uh, give it a score out of five, mm. which is difficult, especially if you haven't read it. Or you haven't read it in many years. Yeah. But still, having heard it here today. That's right. Better than reading it, I would argue. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, it's <laughs> yeah, quicker. It's yeah. quicker. What do you think? Would you put it in the 100 best English language novels of the 20th century? 
Um, in terms of influence, yes. Yes, I think this is one of those ones that is definitely there for yeah. influence. Because I remember like being told how much it influenced African American literature afterwards, and then overall American literature as well. Um, yeah, even down towards Philip Roth and all these authors who came later. Um, so I would say yes. Uh, I would, uh, from what I remember, the writing style and things like that. I'd probably give it a three and a half, three three and a half out of five. Three and a half of five from Sammy. <coughs> And uh, Alex. Well, I mean, I haven't read it, so I feel like it's cheeky. <laughs> it is. Very cheeky of me to be giving anything a star. Like, you know, really, I should be giving it five because I haven't I haven't read it, and that's the least you can do if you haven't read a book. Um, but for me, too much sadness. Like, I just, I know it's important. It's obviously mm. so important. And, and I just feel like I would struggle to read through that. And with all those references that I would not understand as well. Yeah. So, I mean, like... Can can I say put all importance aside? I'd be I'd be there at the three. I think. Mm. No, that's that's absolutely Lacks fun. Levity. Yeah. I would give it a four out of five. Okay. Yep. And I do love a satisfying ending. You yeah. Know? Come yeah. On. And you know, whatever guilty. Wrap guilty. I love it. You like when the mystery is wrapped up. Yeah. And the killer goes to jail. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it when you don't know what happened. You yeah. don't. Yeah. We have to. Imagine in your own mind. Write your own sequel. Too much work. Fuck yeah, that. Yeah, come I bought, on. I paid 20 bucks for this yeah, book, mate. Wrap it up. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. It's open to interpretation. It's like, well, I didn't pay for interpretation. <laughs> yeah. like, I paid for you to tell me. I paid for a whole book, not yeah. half one, mate. Like I could have imagined anything. That's like the cafe in Northcote that I went to the other day, and they gave me uh, avocado and toast, and they gave me an avocado <laughs> and toast and a lemon. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, come on. I'm not doing this. Um. <laughs> yeah. I just sent it back and I said, cut the avocado yeah, out, right. scrape it over the toast and then bring it. I don't care if you spit in it. It would have been the same price as well yeah. as if they'd done it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same feeling. So here. James Baldwin, the avocado. And toast of, uh, of modern <laughs> literature, yes. <laughs> Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for, for uh, joining me. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you for reading a book to me. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no essentially. Do you guys have anything coming up that you'd like to tell people about or online presence you'd like to steer mm-hmm. people towards? Obviously, Alex, you had some gigs coming up and now are just hanging out. Just hanging out. It was meant to be on Roadshow, but yeah, in New South Wales. That's not happening. Uh, but not because I'm bad. They didn't can't they weren't like you can't come anymore. I like bad. How nobody would have thought that, but it's now everyone's going. Lo- right? It was Hang because of lockdown. Yeah. For anyone who's overseas, going who's this Alex Ward? <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram, Alex Ward comedian. Oh, it's Wardy, you know, Ward, you know. Um, I don't know. You'll, you'll see me around. I've been doing mm. some. I'll be doing gigs back in Melbourne. When yeah, we're awesome, allowed. awesome. When we're allowed. When we're allowed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Water, you've also got a podcast, I think. I do. It's called Going Hypo. I do it with comedian Luca Muller. So we just do um, hypotheticals and would you rathers. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And so we, I mean, a lot of it, we end up just chatting about food and dogs for about 40 minutes and then we forget <laughs> and then we do the, the hypothetical. It's a, just a podcast about friendship, really. Nice. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I have a Patreon now, finally. Oh, fantastic. Uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash Samisha, S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. And it is, uh, I put up short stories, excerpts from a novel I'm working on these days, any any writing stuff. So I'm keeping it separate from comedy and everything, just writing based. Um, so yeah, if you go on there, if you chuck in $5, which is the minimum, I think you get access to all my previous short stories, published and unpublished, as well as a first draft of a ongoing novel right now. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
Love it. All right, I'll put you the can, links. You can send me five bucks. Just email me. <laughs> you don't get Just, anything yeah. for it, though. Put cash in an envelope and send <laughs> it to you. Send that your address. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, I'll put a link in the description of this episode uh, to all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, you can get in contact with me, bookcheatpod at gmail.com, and I'm at bookcheatpod on all the social medias. And you can also suggest a book. There's a... a um, a link in the description of this episode if you want to tell me a play or a novel mm. or a, a children's book these days. Yeah. I'm thinking about doing an opera. Ooh. Oh, my word. I feel like that's don't a, call me. <laughs> yeah, you I don't no know interest? anything about that, no nor am I interested. Well, that's the yeah. thing. I feel like I've got n- absolutely no background in that. So I feel like yeah. maybe it's... Hey, call me. Yeah? I know a yeah. thing or two <laughs> about opera. She did go to Catholic school for seven months. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, everyone. And as I say at the end of every episode... Books forever! Thanks, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.